This is Transistor.fm. This podcast is brought to you by Clubhouse. If you haven't tried it yet, there are really no excuses. You can get it free for up to 10 people forever. Go to clubhouse.io slash build. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Is that the, this is the last time we can say we're building a web app in 2019. That's right. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, do we have one more episode after this? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is the well, is the last episode. When it would come out was would be New Year's Eve. Okay. I think. Well. Yeah. This could be the last time you and I record. Could be. Um, we'll just have we'll just we'll have a text to speech generator just write <laughs> do our show for us. Hello from New Year's Eve party. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's the end of the year and the decade. And how? <laughs> Man, we missed one week, and we can barely talk to each other. Yeah, it's weird. I I haven't had time to really think about that. Yeah, me neither. I mean, in general, it's been good. It's been exhausting. An office mate of mine said, man, 2019 has been quite the decade. (laughs) (laughs) Because so much has happened this year. Just, I mean, personally, for business and like in the world. In the world, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's true. Politically, this was a very weird year, uh, especially if you're in the UK or if you are in the United States. Um. And probably other places too. I'm, those are just the places I'm thinking about. Yeah, I, I probably have lots of thoughts that are not very well uh, kind of formed in my my head. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm not. I'm not sure they're really going to form until I take a little bit of a break. Yeah, I think that's part, one of the reasons I actually love the new year. Some people don't like, you know, thinking, you know, doing ref, New Year's reflections or New Year's New Year's goals. But I like that time of saying, okay, what happened this past year and what am I going to do next year? So I usually write a a year in review post for my blog and I always find that quite helpful to process month by month what happened. And normally when you look back on a year, like that month by month, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Back then I was struggling with this and, oh, wow. Look how fast things changed this way, um, both up and down. You know, you, you, yeah. you realize that the human experience is sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down and having the, the space to kind of reflect back on a whole 12 months at a time. Yeah. I like that. Do you do any sort of year end uh, not usually, no, but I think I probably will this year. 
At least, at least personally, I'll write it down personally or something. But yeah, you don't even need to publish it. But I, what I often, I'll, I'll actually like look at that month and then I'll like look at my calendar for that month and then go back through my photos from that month. So right. like just in your on your iPhone or Google Photos or whatever, go to that month and go. Okay, let's just see what pictures I took that mm-hmm. you know during that time. Uh, or sometimes I'll go back to what I've written or tweeted about. We could go back to this podcast. This podcast, I, I've been re-listening to some of our older episodes, <laughs> and the the um, time capsule that it, this is when you're doing this almost every week. Uh, I there's this trend in Bootstrap Founders recording podcast, and I th- I can't recommend it enough. Uh, even regardless, this, despite the fact that we have a podcast hosting platform, like just the act of sitting down with somebody else who's going through something similar at the same time, you know, whether it's Art of Product podcast or Bootstrapping Web or Val Soapy's Bootstrapping SaaS or Bootstrapping Digest by Ashley Baxter, uh, Product Journey, like there's if bright and early. I listen to all these shows every week, but also I think for the the people going through that to be able to go back and go, Oh, wow, this is where we were. Yeah. I, th- I should do that. I mean, I think it's, it's probably really interesting to see kind of where our heads are at, mm-hmm. where our heads were at, what our optimism level was, what, yeah, what we were struggling with. Was it the thing, were the things we were struggling with even a big deal? Yeah. Well, and I think one thing I have learned since partnering up with you and since we started Transistor is just how waiting sometimes is the best course of action. I used to be really kind of like, no, I got to fix this now. And I'm, I'm just seeing when you look back, oh, wow, that thing I was worried about or that thing I thought we had to build or that trend that I was seeing, it ended up when you can see it over a larger time span, not mattering that much, or sometimes it matters more, but it's time that reveals how important something is. And if you make a decision, if you decide to turn left instead of right, right away, you can't, it, then, then you're, you're, you're going that direction and it's harder to kind of back up, you know? So sometimes this metaphor is bad, but <laughs> sometimes it's worth it to sit at the intersection and wait for your GPS to catch up before you make the decision. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, on this topic, I got a little bit of a scare the other day. I, we get these regular email reports from Nick Swan at sanitycheck.io. Mm. And Sanity Check is a really cool app. It basically tracks your keywords and SEO and, you know, how many clicks you're getting from Google over time. And I had replied to Nick saying, hey, you know, our our clicks are down from um, last week to this week. Is, Is this something I should be worried about? And he replied back and he said, well, you should be worried about that. That, you know, week to week, it's not a big deal. But you should be worried about this. <laughs> and he, he sent me a graph from, he didn't say you should be worried. He said, I would investigate this. 
And, okay. and it was a graph of our organic clicks from Google. And it's basically a chart that goes up. And then around November, when we launched our new website, it starts to go down. And then it really goes down for December. Now, December's not done yet, but that chart sent me into a little bit of a, not a tailspin. Actually, I think I reacted to it emotionally better than I would have ever in the past. But I was definitely like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I spent um, quite a bit of time reaching out to people like Ruben Gamez, who's really good at SEO. I uh, talked more with Nick Swan. I, I pinged a bunch of people in some slacks and asked them what they thought, trying to figure out what is going on with SEO. Yeah, that seems like it would be a hard, a hard thing to pin down. Mm-hmm. It's, like I don't even I be, obviously this is kind of your wheelhouse, but like I don't know even know where you would start looking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a, <laughs> a it is a bit of a Pandora's box. Like I, I, I started in Google Search Console, but very quickly people were like, "Yeah, you can't use Google Search Console for this." It's like, why does Google give us all these tools if they're not even helpful? <laughs> like all the people, all the facade. Yeah, all the people who are good at this use other tools like Sanity Check and hrefs and you know all these other things. So right. Nick was very kind and kind of did a deeper dive into our data on sanity check. And his best guess is that when we switched from WordPress to Statomic as our CMS, Statomic removes the trailing slash on URLs. Mm-hmm. which is a best practice that they everyone's saying, yeah, that's a better way to do it. So WordPress, for example, if you had like, you know, transistor.fm slash how to start a podcast, it would put a trailing slash at the end of that URL. Right. This is so that's... This is just ridiculous. And when we switched to Statomic, Statomic, you know, removes the trailing slash. Well, yeah. well apparently that's important for Google, it, it it basically treats that as a, I don't know if it's a redirect or or what, but essentially Nick's like, you know, I think what Google, Google's just confused that, oh, the traffic used to be clicking to here, but now it's clicking to something else. And so they, <laughs> he, he said, you're, the, the clicks are being re at re attributed to those URLs they're kind of going back up again. And yeah, it, it'll probably just be a blip, I, which is probably another good example of maybe you shouldn't freak out and change a bunch of things. You know, if, if this ends up being a one month blip, then. Yeah. But it, I, you know, on the other hand, it is important. We do get a lot of traffic from, you know, articles you've written and people searching for certain podcasting topics and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there's always the fear when you change something like your website that oh maybe we had some magic before that. Right. And growth revenue growth has flattened out. And so there could still be something there. Yeah. Did we did we look back at last year and how things were going this time? Like I wonder if it's the end of the year or if it's just we've reached a point where it's going to flatten. Yeah, so 
it, things did slow down around this time, but I think there's other things at play. And one of the nice things about having a scare like this is it, it makes you go down the rabbit hole and talk to a bunch of smart people. And so, you know, as I'm speaking with folks saying, what is this? What's going on here? They're giving me ideas and they, they've seen this all before. They've got enough track record that they go, okay, here are some things it could be. And hmm. one thing that they've mentioned is that, you know, sometimes uh, these things can be caused by competitors putting ads, you know, and Google's actually yeah. showing more ads. So one person said, uh, like, we get a lot of traffic for this article I wrote on free music for your podcast. And they said, if you search that on Google now, you are the number one organic hit, but you are at the bottom of the page. Because there are six ads above. Yeah, it's so bizarre. (laughs) I know it was like uh, DHH was getting into this with someone again. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of absurd. Basecamp has been pretty ticked about this, and and so just being aware of that's been interesting. I I actually found I got I still have to talk to this affiliate, but I was I was searching on DuckDuckGo for Transistor because I was like, oh, I wonder if more people are switching to DuckDuckGo if you know, how we rank for different things. And so I searched for Transistor Podcast, and there's an ad for Transistor above our our <laughs> listing. And I'm like, I don't remember paying for this ad on DuckDuckGo. I, I think DuckDuckGo uses Bing as their ad. Uh, is it? Yeah. Or is it? Is it a very nice customer advertising for us? Yeah. Like, what's what going on here? And so, but even then, like, it's like, why would you? I don't want an ad above our organic search result. Um, but it's a an affiliate. We have this affiliate program. They're running this ad for Transistor Podcast on uh. on the Bing ad network. So basically, stealing. <laughs> Stealing, yeah. stealing customers that should just be coming to Transistor because it's our brand, and then and we don't explicitly disallow that, do we? Uh, I think it's in our at the moment. I think it's in our terms of use. Regardless, I'm going to have to talk to this person. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sneaky, but it's a little bit, a little bit underhanded. Uh, yeah, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just like, okay, we gotta, we gotta shut that down. Anyway, so yeah, I've been, I have been doing these deep dives into SEO. Uh, I think we're going to get into this. We've got some predictions for people building SaaS, people bootstrapping. Mm -hmm. After this message from Postmark. Uh, By the way, if you just want to look at an incredible bootstrap company, Wildbet, who is the parent company of Postmark, they're the folks to look at. They, Yeah, I I always said that if I wanted to work a job again, a full-time job, like they're one of the companies I would work for, but they'd barely ever hire. They, they seem like a really, really good company. Yeah, they're on the short list uh, for me as well. And they, yeah, the Postmark is their flagship product. If you need to send transactional email from your application, everybody does. These are welcome emails, password reset emails, Uh, you know, there's all sorts of emails that we send on a daily basis from our applications. And when those emails get lost or flagged as spam, that means upset customers. 
If you don't want upset customers, head over to postmarkapp.com slash loves slash build your SAS and use the coupon code build your SAS. You'll get a free month of sending. Uh, they hardly ever do deals because their service is really top-notch. Like the the amount of that their deliverability rates uh, are better than anybody else in the industry. So even if you just want to try them out for a while and see, maybe this will solve your headaches, right? If you're using some other platform that lets you share uh, IP addresses with some other shady senders and none of your emails are getting through, head over to Postmark and uh, that should make all the difference. All right, let's get into some predictions. Yeah, this was actually your idea because I was I was going to do some predictions about the podcast industry, and you were like, "No, yeah, nobody cares about that." <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe some people do, but I feel like our audience cares more about building a building a business rather than a specific industry that we're in. Yes, yeah, I agree. This that was a good. I, I unfortunately I had written out a bunch, and then I looked in Slack, and you're like, "Hey, does anyone even care about this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might, you might, you could write an article about it. I think I will write an article about it. Those, those bullet points will not go to waste. Yeah. But you're right. Our, our audience are folks who are, you know, building SaaS or have built a SaaS. You know, they dream of building a SaaS. Uh, I, I've said from the beginning, I, I think our listener is the hero of this story. They're just you know, watching us and thinking about how that might apply to their life. Yeah, let's get into some of these. Number one, the SaaS gold rush isn't done yet. This felt like a weird one to write because in some some ways I felt like the, you know, I remember right after 37 Signals launched Basecamp, there was kind of this initial gold rush of indie bootstrapped, you know, maybe funded SaaSes as well, but lots mm-hmm. of people wanted to do what Basecamp did. There were a lot of, I think there, there were a lot of companies that were starting up out of other companies or agencies or, yeah, I, I remember that too, 2004, 2005, there were a lot of little little software projects that were starting up Yeah, that were SaaS companies that were coming out of, I don't know, design agencies or development agencies that I think people were trying to emulate what, 37 signals did. Yeah. And a lot of those didn't work out. There was a lot of postmortems, you know, hey, we were an agency mm-hmm. and we tried to do what Basecamp did uh, and it didn't work. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it feels like we've had a few waves of this. And I was one of those people <laughs> who were a little bit cynical at the time uh, saying, okay, it's done. Like, you know, because that there were so many companies that died during that initial right. five-year period where it didn't work. But that's every that's every industry, I think. I mean, if you think of software as a service as just another type of company, the people are never going to stop starting companies. I mean, restaurants fail all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Retail stores fail all the time. Yeah. But then some succeed wildly and some succeed enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a... I don't know if it's a gold rush or if it's just it's it's mature enough now. I think there's a lot of resources to know how to do this. Yeah, yeah. I think there's way more information for sure. Although, has it gotten 
easier or harder or <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, i yeah i i there's this tyler tringas had this interesting quote he said building owning and possibly selling a profitable remote saas business is the new american dream what do you think about that I don't know. I, I have a question here. What is the American dream? I mean, it's <laughs> a little bit existential, but what I, I don't know if it's really, I don't think it's unique to America, but uh, it's hard to say what the dream is. I mean, I I think, I think the dream has just be, become, I want to have a reasonable life. I want to have a place to live. I want to not be in my car commuting two hours a day. You know, there's these quality of life things. I want to be able to raise a family. I want to be, I don't want to feel like I'm being crushed all the time. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, but demographically, I'll put some of these links in the show notes. There are, <laughs> baby boomers have owned a substantial amount of the wealth in North America, really since the 70s. Uh, And Generation X and Millennials and now Gen Z, like we are, uh, when boomers were at in their 30s, they owned way more of America's wealth than we do, than Gen X and Millennials own in their 30s. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of things that have changed since the seventies to accommodate that happening. And, and, and you, I think that's, what's driving a lot of this. When I, you know, hear people talking about wanting to start a software company, it's because it's the same reasons that come up all the time. My job sucks. Uh, I don't get paid enough. Um, a lot of people who get paid well, quote unquote, still have side hustles because it's just not enough. Like, even though, Mm. um, like, I, I often say when 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 I was a kid in the eighties, a hundred thousand dollars a year was a good salary. Well, oh yeah. Fast forward now, it's still a hundred thousand dollars a year is still what a lot of people want to just get to, right? Yeah, that's still that's still a fantastic salary. It's still a fantastic salary, but if you think about the chain, that's a that's a you know from the time I was born till now, that's forty years. And right. and we're still using the same benchmark for what is a good salary. Yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like in that time, the amount of support you get from, I don't know, I guess the government or just in general has just weakened mm-hmm. to the point where, yeah, that might not be enough because people have this massive amount of debt or they get a medical bill they can't afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I yeah. There's, there's more pressure on people. There really is. I, when, when my parents, my parents' generation, they encouraged all their kids, me, you, uh, all of our friends, to go to university. Because in their generation, if you went to university, that was such an advantage that you were guaranteed to make more money than all your peers. Well, every, every parent had that idea, and they all sent their kids to university— and that the value of that degree really didn't, uh, well, the degree didn't hold its value. There's so much supply. 
yeah. that that the undergrad degree became undervalued. Right. And the cost of it the cost of it skyrocketed so much that even if you came out with a job, you can't pay it back for 30 years. Yes. And it's Yeah, exactly. So we're working harder to get to that hundred K a year job. And yeah. I think people look at software and tech companies and go, okay, well, maybe that's my ticket. Maybe that's the only way I'm going to be able to make this work. And, yeah. um, you know, it's honestly unfortunate <laughs> in many, yeah, because in many respects, because it, it creates a desperation, uh, and it's, it's, yeah. it's hard to create things out of desperation, but I think more and more folks are going to try and maybe they, I think we should, I mean, um, that my favorite thing in the world, my absolute favorite thing is when a bootstrapper starts a company that carves off some market from a much bigger company. <laughs> right. Like whenever that happens, it's like, okay, it's, it feels like Robin Hood, you know, like we're, oh yeah, we're, we're taking a little bit of that revenue and we're redistributing it. <laughs> And yeah, that, that it, tech does level the playing field in some ways where in the old days you had to have all this infrastructure to start a restaurant or all this infrastructure mm-hmm. to start a manufacturing plant. But now with all these tools, mostly who, which are owned by large, large multinationals like Amazon, but <laughs> with using these tools, we can at least, we at least have some leverage. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's, it is easier to start one maybe harder to succeed given that the internet has become mature enough to where there's just i mean there's millions well billions of people on it but there's so many pieces of software to, that accomplish the same thing that it's mm-hmm. harder to break into any market maybe and like what the, uh, mm-hmm. i don't know what what undiscovered markets there are yet mm-hmm. i see my my take on this now is don't look for undiscovered markets do what Ruben Gamez is doing with DocSketch. Go after DocuSign. Mm-hmm. Go after this massive company that has millions of users, millions of people in motion buying this thing, using this thing every day, and carve off, steal some of their market. Yeah. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think the, the part about that is that if you do succeed well enough, it's possible that DocuSign would just come and buy you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or or offer you so much money that you couldn't say no. And then, mm-hmm. which is great for you, but yes. bad for everyone else. Well, actually, and let me get, let me um, go to one of my other predictions, which is, I think as the independents earn more wealth, this is what I hope happens. I think Gen X... Millennials, Gen Z, I think we are more conscious than any other generation, more socially conscious, I hope. And uh, a lot of, for example, you and I give 1% of gross revenue to 1% for the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our friends Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis do the same with Fathom Analytics. Like, even to have that thought of we want to do good with the, the money that we earn. Uh, we recently saw Stripe and Shopify, which are big now, but they started as indie companies just like you and I. And Stripe is still tiny compared to my, uh, MasterCard. Um, yeah. You know, they've both made commitments 
to decarbonize, to invest in, um, in technology that's going to fight climate change. And uh, I sent you this, uh, this podcast. Um, yeah, it, it is. It was really interesting. I, I'll put it in the show notes. It's on the Ezra Klein uh, podcast. And I mean, part of it is really debilitating. But I think part of me as I was listening to that, it got me fired up to say, okay, if are we going to try to do something about it or not? Do we realize that it's already the 11th hour? Is that the, the saying? Like, Yeah, the 11th hour. Yeah, it is the 11th hour. So what are we going to do now with the resources that we have, with the influence that we have, with the money that we have? And to be honest, it kind of fired me up for 2020 thinking – what could Transistor do? What could this little tiny company do to help deal with this, to fight this problem that is, I don't want to just be lulled into sleep, just to, you know, go to tech conferences and we're all just talking about, you know, the smartest people in the world are are putting all their energy into figuring out the best way to fight churn. Right. <laughs> Up until now. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, yeah, as far as the climate up until now, it's been mostly, mostly talk anyway, but yeah, but what could, I mean, you and I, we can, we could, at at the very least, we can, we can pressure Amazon in our little way to say, like, get um, all of, you said they promised that they were going to have most of their uh, servers, server farms running on renewable energy, and they haven't followed that promise. So Hmm. Let's put some pressure on them. And all right. of our listeners that are listening also use Amazon products. We can email them. We can bug them. We can post on Twitter and say, this is unacceptable. You're, you're the wealthiest, uh, one of the wealthiest companies and one of the wealthiest people, Jeff Bezos, in the world. Do something about it. Like if they give 1% of their gross revenue right. to investing in solar tech for their their uh server farms they could they could solve this problem and yep. uh a lot of it is just about waking people up and saying we do need to do something about this we have to at least try yeah yeah i think well 2020 i think though we have predictions for 2020 but maybe this is for the decade i think mm. the decade of the 20s is going to be important in a lot of different ways like the things that could happen or might happen or hopefully will happen will affect the world for, you know, obviously decades and decades to come. But mm-hmm. one thing from that podcast that also got me fired up is I can't remember the the person that Ezra was interviewing. Uh, he's an Australian physicist, but he said the the big failure is we haven't painted an attractive picture of the future. We've just, it's just been doom and gloom. It's like you're going to have to take less warm showers. You're not going to be able to travel anymore. You're going, you know, it, it's just bleak. Yeah, and yeah, the stuff he talks about is great. I mean, I I totally get that. We have to we have to paint the potential future, which is achievable in a way that's like, hey, this is actually going to be better. You're not going to have to cut back. It might be different. Yes, but it's actually going to be better. No, the one thing that that stuck out to me was he was talking about. Um, Radiant floor heating, mm, yes, and how it's it's much more efficient and a better way to heat your home. And he's like, what people don't realize is that if you have radiant heating in your home, 
Now you don't have this forced air uh, gas-powered heater, so you don't actually even need to have carbon monoxide detectors. Yes. You don't get you don't get dust bunnies in your place because there's no air isn't just blowing around. It's all just coming up from the floor. Mm-hmm. And if you sleep at night when it's cold out, you're not going to wake up with a dry throat because the air isn't dry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, that's yeah, that's a super like that sounds way better. That hit me too. Like just that simple painting the picture of what the future could look like. I came home and I was like, okay, we're getting radiant. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> and, and this is one place where podcasters and people who blog and people who have an opinion and can communicate online, we can paint this picture. Like a great podcast that I, I mean, maybe I'll start it uh, is just talking about better future. We'll call it better future, and every week we just paint the picture of this is what it could look like. Yeah, I mean, this is all stuff that already exists too, as a thing. Like the the guy that was being interviewed, I mean, he's like, this This stuff is here. We can do this now. We just don't, we lack the willpower to do it. And obviously with in the U.S., like we can't do any of it with the government we have now because they don't even care. But <laughs> like, it's it's totally achievable. And it, it, it would, I mean, that's the thing. It, it did fire me up. But at the same time, when I finished listening to it, I was like, eh, man, nothing's happened in the last 30 years anyway. So like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh... Yes. Anyway, I, I hope I hope that that there will be more in there. Uh, let's keep let's keep cranking through these because I got I got to leave here soon. Um, another one I said was less open startups. Yeah. So you and I ha- had been an open startup. Uh, well, we still are in the sense we're, we're sharing, but uh, in terms of sharing revenue numbers, I think that is going to become less popular. Uh, I noticed on Twitter, Simon. Simon Bennett, who's a transistor user and a friend of the show, said he's going to stop publishing snapshooter numbers from now on. And when people asked him why, he said competitors are coming in and just copying his business model exactly, copying his mm. his plans exactly, uh, copying the service exactly. And certainly, I mean, competition's a thing. Anybody can enter the market. But when you give your competitors an unnatural advantage. Yeah. Uh, so I think people are getting turned off by it and the cons are start starting to outweigh the benefits. You you put, will lots of big SaaS fail? Yeah, I have SaaS in quotes because I don't know if we consider these SaaS software as a service. I suppose they are. Mm. I mean, they're companies like WeWork, which is sort of in the middle of failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uber, companies like that where really they're I mean, they are software in a sense that they have software to run the company, but they, you know, they started out smaller, probably with some big venture capital, but I don't know. I I feel like people are opening their eyes finally to those types of companies that just the numbers just don't make sense. They don't work out. Mm -hmm. Um, So either, you know, those will start failing or consolidating or being bought um, or they just, those types of startups won't get as much funding as maybe they had in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another one, uh, just a quick one. I think small retreats are going to become more popular than conferences. Yeah. Um, we actually just saw MicroConf had an announcement that they're going to do these MicroConf locals where they go and do one-day events in big cities. Okay. Uh, but even like for you and I, uh, I think we have preferred our 
smaller founder retreats, um, like the one we did with Darby and Shay, um, and you know, just getting away and being in a, a place together. Uh, I I think more and more folks are going to be turning to those. Mm-hmm. And conferences yeah, will still have their yeah. place, but yeah, I haven't. There hasn't been a lot of interest personally for me for many conferences. Like it just sounds like I don't know something about it sounds exhausting or ah, there's too there's too much going on to really get much of a benefit from it. Yeah. And the last one is um, more a focus on privacy will be important. So I think we'll see more SaaS taking a stand on privacy, stop, you know, stop using Google Analytics, Facebook ads, and more privacy focused companies like Fathom Analytics will become popular. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping too, it'll sort of put some pressure on places like Facebook and Google to change their ways. And I don't know, see what they do with their data, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath for that. <laughs> totally. All right, I'm getting some frantic text messages that I need to leave here. So why don't you uh, thank our Patreon supporters? Cool. Yeah, thanks everyone uh, for supporting us on Patreon as always uh, this year and previous year. Uh, we have Ward from MemberSpace.com, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley from NiceThings.io, Russell Brown. Evandro Sassi, Pradyumna Schembecker, Noah Prale, David Colgan, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray from Alitu.com, Josh Smith, Ivan Krakovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, my brother Dan Buda. DanBuda.com. Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta, Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com, and our sponsors this week, Clubhouse and Postmark. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.